0: welcome to the body wisdom podcast i'm your host kiara you can expect new episodes each wednesday that are educational inspiring and honest surrounding various women's health topics spirituality and so much more the body wisdom podcast was brought to life by integrating the physical and emotional body to deepen one's healing journey thanks for being here and enjoy the show
1: are you? How is your heart today? You know, I didn't know you'd, you'd ask me about that, but today actually specifically woke up with such a lightness. I don't know if it's the fact that it's Friday or just things feel really beautiful right now. You know, it's it's always the up and down, but woke up today with such a, such a skip in my step. So my heart is feeling extra bouncy. How about you?
0: Can I just say, I feel like that's how I would imagine you waking up every day. Just like, <laughs> just based off of like how you show up on on the gram and all of it. I'm just like, oh man, I bet Teresa's just a beautiful presence to be around. But that's,
1: that's awesome. so that's very sweet of you. But not always. I and I I try to be honest about this, but sometimes I wake up and I am I'm in an old loop or I'm ne- like in a negative cycle or I'm just not, if I'm not feeling as good as I want to feel, I can go down a spiral. So that's still a practice for me. And I think that's why I'm always talking and amazed by brain rewiring, because that used to be every single day for me, I'd wake up and be this, someone you wouldn't want to be around. Now, more often than not, I am that spring lamb that skips into the kitchen and just, you know, I'm already excited about the day. So it's amazing to feel that way and I've also learned that we don't have to necessarily feel that way and forcing ourselves to feel that way is unrealistic and unkind. So, I'm learning to really embrace everything and I'm <laughs> I get really excited when it's unforced and easy because it does feel good to feel good.
0: Yeah, that's kind of like in the same um like what I'm experiencing too. And you know, I think we're human and we don't like always wake up with the best feelings all the time but man oh man it's 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 so beautiful to witness and see and feel those things when they do happen um just earlier i was laying on the ground with my dog his name is rocky and i was just like like cuddling him like his arm was around around me and i was holding him and i was just like this is awesome and like i was just i actually probably even thought of you i was like i'm noticing like all the sensations that he has that he's giving me And his fur coat, and his little nose, his little snout touching my forehead, and I was just like, I want to remember this feeling forever. And I feel like that's happening more so often than not. Whereas before, I feel like I probably would have been on autopilot, and you know, just uh, not even taking in the sweet moments that hold so much weight and value. And I feel like it's in those moments where where healing happens and that has been, at least for me, like the most transformational part of, um, yeah, just the little, little things that I'm noticing on a day-to-day basis.
1: You're speaking my language. I feel like when you start, when it starts to feel so easy to be in a state of awe, yeah, that's, I feel like when you think about looking back on your life, those are the moments, not necessarily saying we have to live that way all the time, but those are the moments that just feel so precious and so good. And I feel like it's a sign that you are finally stepping into a place of safety and not my favorite word, but alignment, you know, if you take it out of the spiritual context, but really like showing up for your life as it is, choosing to be around the people and the dogs and the places that really allow you to feel present. There is something magical about that. So I'm happy that it feels like it's growing Perfect. for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember because you and I did a, a tapping session together, a one-on-one, and I feel like, yeah, that was probably a year ago, and I've just carried your words with me ever since, and what really stuck with me the most was like, maybe I am, and maybe that's all we're doing, is trying to create safety in our days through different things that we wouldn't necessarily call safety. I know for me, it was more so my my tendency to pile things on and on and on to my plate. And my goal or my intention was to float from task to task with ease. And I'm just noticing that it is becoming so, so much easier um, just by living it and and breathing it and, yeah, taking in those moments. So thank you.
1: Thank you for reminding me because, well, truly, I get – I get a benefit from tapping with someone else, even if it's not something I'm necessarily focused on in that moment or in that phase of my life. But I do remember that conversation so vividly because it's something I work on every single day, really just checking in. Am I acting in a way that my body feels safe to be around? Am I acting in a way that feels good for others to be around? Am I acting in a way that my plants are like, all right? that's that's the kind of energy i want to be around and it's kind of this constant check-in because it it can feel it can feel like our work or the amount of things that we have to get done in a day can take us out of that but i think if we can continually integrate almost dancing and flowing and bouncing through the day again it just feels easier it's easier for everyone involved and yeah, it's, it's a practice. It's not like, I don't know. I don't think either of us just naturally fall into that, especially for the more of the type A personalities that might be listening. It might feel like you're stuck. Like you're always just thinking about the next thing. It might feel like that's just the way you are. And that's just how you've always been, but we can learn to shift. And it's almost like when you show the nervous system what's possible, whether it's starting to imagine it, whether it's tapping it in or or even just asking yourself, how do I want to feel? Who do I want to be? And starting to see the possibilities towards that. It just builds from there.
0: I'm sure you're speaking to so many women right now, like Just whoever's listening to this podcast episode, I could see like a, a lot of heads nodding and they're like, Yeah, 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 you're speaking right to me. So I'm excited to just talk even deeper about this. But before we get started, would you mind giving the listeners just a little bit of background about yourself and how you kind of stepped into this space of women's health? I don't really know if, like, do you work with men too? I work with a few men, actually. Yeah, yeah? I, okay. I do. Yeah, good to know. Good to know. But um, yeah, like just stepping into this space. What led you here? And I'll also link the other podcast episode that we did because <laughs> I know we talked a lot about your journey there. But do you just want to give us like a little brief overview of how you got here?
1: Yeah, without stepping too much into the territory we we already covered, it came out of a place of Necessity. And I think, like many of our listeners, working on your health, it might feel like, okay, if I can nail down diet, if I can nail down lifestyle, if I can get my red lights, if I can do my castor oil packs, if I can schedule my craniosacral and my acupuncture and see my pelvic floor specialist and make sure I'm moving after I eat and balancing my blood sugar and drinking the right things and soaking my grains, then I will be healthy. And, you know, there's various levels to that. But I fell into this trap to an extreme. I was trying to heal chronic infections, basically Lyme and co-infections and some parasites that I had picked up overseas and thinking very innocently that if I master this, then I will heal. Unknowingly creating such a state of panic, of rigidity, of not even... Really, not existing in a place of health and vitality and possibility, but really in a place of fear and worst case scenario and doom. And it wasn't until I was so deep in the mud that I realized that I had very innocently created more dysfunction on top of the very physiological dysfunction I was trying to fix just by the way I was approaching my life. You know, I was just so panicked about everything fearful of everything and very i guess yeah what what's the word i want i guess i didn't have hope i didn't have i didn't believe that healing was possible because the more i tried to feel better the more practitioners i worked with the more tests i gathered the worse i started to feel so it was this breaking point of really feeling like my body was at a maybe the lowest possible level of functioning I could be at, you know, things were breaking down. It was, I was at a point where the best option they could offer me was tube feeding through the heart. I think I maybe mentioned that in the first episode, but it was, I was terrified. I was hopeless. I didn't know what to do. I was angry. I felt like it was unfair and I was sad because I wanted to be living the fun life, out dancing, doing the things that I, you know, my peers were doing. And it felt so out of reach. And it was in those darkest moments of kind of throwing my hands up and being like, well, nothing I'm doing is working. Okay, what's left? And it was, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, but it was kind of realizing, well, if everything I thought I needed to be happy and healthy is not working. What else is there? What might I be missing? So I started to really pay attention to, well, what would it feel like even just to imagine myself well? Because at the time, I wasn't doing much. I was basically either resting in bed or seeing a colon hydrotherapist to empty out my colon because it had basically lost all of its energetic potential to move on its own. Things were not fun. Things were not looking good. But it opened up this possibility of realizing that even with a very sickly body, I could start to think in ways that felt lighter and more beautiful and more hopeful. And it just exploded from there. And You know, I I need to give a shout out to the EFT coach I was working with at the time, Christina Shumalova. She stabilized me and kept refilling my hope bucket because it was in those moments where just imagining myself well, imagining this future that still felt out of reach, but having those sensations of possibility come into the present moment and then almost using that possibility of hope in the present moment to say, okay, even though I'm scared and feeling like things are not working out, like my life is nowhere close to what I expected. What is it that I want to extract from this moment? If this is it, if this is the body I'm stuck with, if this is the body I'm going to be in, how do I want to move through this in the most peaceful and beautiful and light and easy way? And it really, it just built from there. And I did not do it alone either. You know, I I talk about this all the time, but my husband was a champ. There were days where I was probably the, the most terrifying person to be around because I would go from, you know, severe hopelessness to rage and anger and I was very very small, very <laughs> depleted, but such a bundle of just overwhelmed. You know, it it was a lot to take in, but his patience, his love, he reflected back to me what he saw within me, even with my layers and layers of dysfunction. So the takeaway here is yes, food and metabolism and hormones and maybe removing the pathogens that are instigating all these cycles. Handling those aspects is critical, but if we are approaching our health in the same mindset of attack, of rigidity, of fixing, fear, all of these cycles that just compound one another, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So as soon as we can start to think about, okay, well, if say I'm going to be healing for the rest of my life, if this condition is chronic, if this disease or dysfunction is something that doesn't have an easy fix or an easy cure. How do I want to move through this if this is my life? That might start to open up maybe these less less obvious aspects of healing. So that's my focus these days and that's what made the biggest difference for me and then allowed me to reapproach diet and hormones and healing in such a different way. It started to feel playful and curious. It wasn't do this or else, or this is the only one and right way. As many practitioners like to preach, you know, I think there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of misconceptions going around about what is healthy, you know, in terms of fish oil, in terms of more fiber is better, in terms of fasting, in terms of, I mean, you know, you've tried it all too. So in that less reactive, more authentic state, it's as if it's so much easier to even trust what feels right to you and honoring that that might be more that might be one of the most important pieces here learning to really trust yourself befriend yourself and choose to move through everything that you do based off of who you want to be not who you think you should be or how you have how you think you have to be
0: wow i feel like we could probably just cut right there that all was- right
1: this was great Kiara.
0: <laughs> I'm serious that was so beautifully said Teresa and what really uh stood out to me is like you just threw your hands up and you surrendered and you were like what's left what's left to do and that's exactly how I felt and I think many women reach this point in their journey and they're like I just I don't know what to do yeah and um it's so funny how counterintuitive it seems to almost stop healing or stop fixing, um, when there's a problem clearly at hand, you know, um, and I love your perspective on symptoms too. We can talk, talk about that in a second, but it's like, well, don't I need to fix it? Don't I need to do something about it? Like I can't just let it stay there. Like I'm miserable. This is really impeding on my life. And yeah, I think the only thing left to do is just is be and surrender to all of it. And instead of waiting for the moment where you feel better to do the thing that you've been wanting to do, just doing it like I wanted to dance. So I, I danced even though, gosh, like my energy was so depleted and I didn't love the way I looked and all these things. I see you're going to say something, but
1: well, I'm I'm just thinking about our listeners and wondering about the people who are like, "Well, yeah, of course I want to dance, but I feel so sick or to the people that might be you know, bedridden or really just so depleted and they're like, "Well, easy for you to say. You're healthier than me." And what you just remind me of is that's where we can use the mind because say it's like, "Well, I I want to do these things and they're so out of reach and, and that creates more friction and dysfunction. You can be laying in your bed, imagining yourself dancing, gently swaying, putting on some groovy tunes. Physiologically speaking, that sends the same message to the body that it is in fact dancing. So there's workarounds here. It doesn't But what I love that you brought up is this ability of, or this idea of not postponing your happiness. It's not like in one year I'll be perfectly healed and then I can be happy, then I can be dancing, then I can be lifting weights again, then I can be traveling and doing all these things. It's okay. We might not ever get to that place, not to place fear, but just to play around with the idea of if we were to be silly enough to postpone our happiness, That's on us versus if we can be happy in this moment while acknowledging, okay, we're still working on some things. That opens up freedom to what I see as truly living in reality and using those hopes for the future to keep you light and inspired, but not waiting for that to happen. It's almost like really bringing that into the moment. So- I think dancing. I love, I love that. We both have that common. I call it a tool actually, because, well, I'm curious how it comes up for you when you think about how dancing has changed your approach to the day, to the week, what does it do for you?
0: Well, I I played my favorite song that I shared with you earlier this week, this morning. And, you know, I've just, I just, I just feel so good in those moments. And I, I do use it as a tool because it does activate something within me, my creativity. Yeah. That's what it does. So I like to do it in the morning or like when, you know, throughout the day, if I'm feeling like just a little stagnant, um, then I'll just get up and groove for a little bit. But this is something that's been a part of my, my life, like ever since I was a baby and like all of us, like we're, we're wobbling. we we're, We're doing our own little dances. But growing up, we had family events, get togethers every single weekend. Music was big in our house. And I've actually found that if I go a day without music, something's really, it's really off. And I've noticed a big change in my energy um, just vibrationally when I do play music. And so I like to have music even going in the background sometimes um, because I just, I just, I just naturally just want to sway, even if it's in my chair or something. Um, but yeah, it, it unlocks my creativity. I find that there are a lot of thoughts that start to come through, even though like I'm not actively trying to think about anything. It's just like, oh, like that's awesome. And then it'll come again and again and again. So um, yeah, I love dancing and it's it's free. It's like it's within us and I um, – I don't know. I I feel like when we start to notice these things and what we always tell everyone like we have the ability to heal heal ourselves. I feel like when we really truly understand that it's all coming from within and we unlock that part of us, it's almost like this whole industry will go bye-bye bu- because Uh-oh. we know that it's like it's us. Like we are the answer and so yeah, that's just kind of my perspective on it, but what, uh, what, what happens to you when you start dancing?
1: You said something that really resonated with me, but how the thoughts almost come out of nowhere and they'll kind of cycle in surprising
0: yes. and delightful
1: ways. And it almost feels like, for me, it feels like an integration process where I might even be thinking about something I'm working on or I might even be thinking about a session from earlier that day. And then it will be a bridge of, or almost like an aha moment. And oftentimes it feels very euphoric for me where it's like so celebratory. I'll be reflecting on the past, how much has changed, how grateful I am for my body, thinking about how much it's been through and how much it's able to do now and thanking my previous body for fighting so hard to make it to where it is now. And then other times it will feel like it's a processing almost, maybe, you know, intense grief or confusion or sadness is coming up and I can move through it in a way that feels like it's almost like sloughing off of me. And I can, sometimes I'll even turn down the lights and put on specific music and imagine it just coming out of me. And I can visualize certain emotions just moving and and moving out of the tissues. And I get such a massive relief afterwards it feels yeah it feels very cathartic so it's one of my favorite tools like you noted to use whenever whenever I need it whether it's in the morning throughout the day between calls I think my favorite is at the end of the day just as like a transition to celebrate to honor the end of the day to shift in the evening Friday I'm glad this is is happening on a Friday because Dancing on a Friday night, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a hermit, but there's something that allows me to feel very connected to all the other people. I also imagine dancing, whether they're out and about or, you know, dancing around their living room like I'm doing at home. And it just, like you said, it just feels like a day without music, a day without dancing, like a day without sunshine. I don't quite feel as regulated as I'd like to. So it's one of those things. That's free. It's available. You don't need much. you don't even need to feel that great. you can you can meet your body where you're at and just you know use it as another one of those tools.
0: Even if it feels weird. Yeah, because I know a lot of people may feel awkward. They might mm-hmm. not like how they necessarily feel in their bodies. like maybe they've had a past story about it like yeah, if she had, she's a bad dancer, I'm a bad dancer, whatever. Um, so that can be a part of the healing process too. Like in just doing it by yourself, no matter how you look, I probably look so crazy. I've, I've recorded myself and I've shared to Instagram stories and I've actually done a lot of like reflecting recently. And I just, I've been going back into the archives and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Kiara, I can't believe you share that. But I'm like, no, that's beautiful. That's like, that's the past version of myself. And she showed up and she was feeling it and she was, Brave enough to share that with the world,
1: mm-hmm. even
0: though um, it can feel like kind of cringy for just a hot second. But yeah,
1: it's it's funny you say that because it 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 brings up this idea that people are thinking certain things about us, and we should, you know, we should be careful with how authentic we are, and ooh, it has to look a certain way, or else ooh, I probably shouldn't post that. But even right there is a practice of just being again throwing your hands up and saying whatever and there's something very freeing about that when we think about health and the nervous system oftentimes people are craving freedom and energy and vitality and you know feeling like like that goddess version of them whatever that means and part of that is realizing that you get to be the one to decide if you take off all of these artificial expectations of how you think you know, how you think you should look when you dance. Like, what's the best way to move the body and come back to the feeling? And I know you've talked about this before, but like, what does it feel like? What feels good? What feels pleasurable? What feels freeing? What feels expansive? Whatever it is that you're after. And really almost like putting the brain in that sensation. It doesn't matter what it looks like. That's, I mean, at the end of our life, we'll, we'll, will the appearance of something be something we can celebrate? Probably not. It's it's such a fleeting thing versus wow, if I lived a life that felt really good and felt very connected and euphoric and free, that seems like a good way to go.
0: That feels more rewarding.
1: That feels yeah,
0: yeah really authentic. I love this conversation so much.
1: (laughs) It's a good Friday so far.
0: I love it. Um, so I wanted to get into the whole fertility piece and how this all connects. Um, how how do the gut and the brain connect with fertility? And I don't know like how you want to break this up. Like where does the brain loop in? We know about the gut-brain axis and then like hormones being kind of like the final piece of the puzzle. So where can we just, where can we start with this conversation?
1: Yeah. You just reminded me of, I think they call it the ovarian adrenal thyroid axis. And the main takeaway there is that when we are in a stressed state, whether it's from under eating, not eating enough, or psychologically speaking, just creating thoughts of stress and fear and doom and panic that basically sends the signal to that axis. And I mean, the HPA axis feeds into this too. It's definitely not a simple thing to talk about, but at a high level, Mm -hmm. the stress interrupts the regulation. And it's basically the body saying, okay, if, if there's this load of stress now is not the time to prioritize fertility because bringing another life into the world which is kind of the the reason to be fertile not necessarily but i mean again at a high level that requires so much energy so much nutrition so much safety and if if the body isn't perceiving that sense of all is good proceed it will shut down and shift more towards that survival balance. So yeah, where do you want to take this? I guess it's, it's, it goes in so many directions because we do have a certain amount of power in terms of, you know, learning to, to feed ourselves in a certain way and to nourish ourselves in a certain way. And it's complicated. Say you do have a very real parasitic infection that's causing the body to, Inflame certain tissues and create those cascades of stress. You could be doing all the right things and even thinking the right thoughts, but even that alone could be this kind of low level stressor where the body's wisely saying, Hey, now's not the time to be focusing on regulating the hormones and keeping you in a state of balance. We got to figure out this parasitic infection. So, hmm, yeah, it's. It's hard to discuss this. This is a tricky one.
0: Yeah it's it's a it's a multifaceted thing. Like this whole fertility piece, it's all interconnected. Yeah. Um, but I think it really just from everything that we're talking about, it can come back to the brain and the thoughts that we're thinking on a day to day basis. And I think when I'm in practice and I'm working with a client, you know, we talk about stress, and I'm like, when I mention the word stress, what comes to mind? And they're usually like, oh, well, work and, you know, uh, yeah, maybe like work is like the top. I think I'd say stressor that I, I meet in practice.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but then I never have really thought to ask them like, what are your thoughts on a daily basis? What What do you think about yourself? How do you perceive the world? You know, all of these things. So, would you even go as far as to say like? that could be a part of the reason of as to why so many women struggle with fertility today.
1: I think that's a big piece of it because even just thinking about like I hate my job and rushing yeah. maybe rushing through traffic, skipping breakfast, being under fluorescent lights, sitting in a weird position, hating every second of the day. We can bringing it back to the gut for a moment, thinking about The gut being stuck in a fight or flight stress response, it's going to tighten up. It's going to inflame. We might even still have normal gut contractions and peristalsis, but things aren't moving through as quickly as we'd like them to, so estrogen, for example, it might even be detoxified and moved into the bile and then reabsorbed in the colon because we're so stressed out. I know some people don't even like to use the bathroom at work and they try and wait till they're back at home and that can cause a lot of issues. So it's, it might, it's, it's not only the thoughts, but then it's the way the body responds to the thoughts that we're thinking. It's the way our behaviors Flow from the thoughts that we're thinking, and yeah, it's, and this isn't to blame anyone. I think life life is necessarily stressful, and it's also our op, it's our opportunity to soften our response to that stress as much as we can. Whether it's changing the way we perceive something, changing the environment we find ourselves in, and honestly, if you hate your job, if you really really dread your job if something is changeable or figure outable or if you can make it a little bit more enjoyable that will go a long way to your gut health your fertility your hormonal balance i mean even down to the amount of hair you can grow <laughs> so many factors come yeah. back to how how nourished and balanced and regulated are you feeling down to the cellular level?
0: Well, what you just brought up about like the parasolsis and the, the freezing essentially of the, the nervous system and like basically impairing the vagus nerve and all motility, all functions, that is something that I had done ever since I, uh, could walk. Like, I mean, I don't know about beforehand, but I remember going to the bathroom I would hide behind a couch so no one would see me because I was already at this young age, like in diapers, a toddler walking around, afraid of people watching me use the bathroom. And ever since then, it's just always been like a fear of mine to use the bathroom around anyone, um, holding in any gas or like just not Yeah, just basically holding it all in. And I also did the same thing with my emotions. It never felt safe enough to release. So I was just holding everything in. And it's like, no wonder I was so constipated for so long.
1: That's, you know, a lot of the time I think we're conditioned, like even just to be ashamed of releasing and bowel movements, or like you said, you learn to hold in any gas. And again, just thinking about, how that puts such a burden on the liver because the liver doesn't necessarily want to be cleaning up the waste matter that should ideally be moving out two to three times a day. If you think about the idea of eating a meal, ideally you'd have an equal amount of matter come out of you after each meal. And I'd say zero zero percent of the people I speak to have three bowel movements a day. It's kind of a rare... A rare thing to see in, in our current culture. And a lot of that is just, you know, the the stress that we've accumulated, what's been passed down from generation to generation, and also just the lifestyle, you know, just sitting about even thinking about the sitting position. If you've ever, I think you've probably taken a road trip recently, oh, yeah. and your stories and thinking about what the way the pelvic floor and those muscles start to compress the colon and the rectum. And even if we are ready to release. Sometimes it can almost smush and tighten the fascia around the colon so that the bowel movement can't move out. So upstream, again, the liver is the one that has to deal with all of the cleanup and whether it's prioritizing the ammonia that's coming off of the putrefying matter, or maybe it's trying to prioritize excreting some of the estrogen or maybe some of the Adrenaline that's <laughs> that we're revving up with our thoughts. It's you know, there's there's I don't really know how the liver decides. I think it's wiser than we give it credit for, but it has to do so much for us and it's con- constantly having to keep up with everything we're exposing it to. So if we can limit one of those factors by thinking peacefully, thinking rationally in loving and supportive ways. It's like I see that as giving a gift to the liver, <laughs> the very busy liver.
0: Oh, absolutely. And one thing that's like coming to me right now is hearing someone say, But but that's so hard. Like how do I just think peaceful thoughts when I'm bombarded with all the stress on a day-to-day basis or so-and-so treated me this way? Or, you know, I have kids that I need to take care of and just like the constant day-to-day stressors that we meet, like how can I find peace through all of that? So what would what would you say to that person?
1: That's a great question. And I think it depends on what resonates with people. You know, some people, maybe some of our type A listeners really want to take action there and they want to start to retrain their thoughts. That's awesome. There are many ways to do that. You and I know that I love tapping for that reason, but even just noticing that our tendency to think and to think and to think and to think about this and to assume the worst and to project onto the future and then to shame ourselves and you know the spirals of stress that we might create sometimes even just stepping back from our thoughts and even just noticing and kind of acknowledging them for a moment wow yep i'm overwhelmed wow i am stressed wow I actually do hate my job and I and don't necessarily like being a mom right now because I never get time to myself and being honest with yourself that takes some of the pressure off and that brings down that sympathetic overload and then can allow you to think more not even peacefully but to think more rationally about well what is the next step what is the kindest thing I can offer myself in this moment because I don't want, or I never want someone to feel like it's more of a to-do list item to fix the way their brain is working. That might be, you know, three steps ahead of where you're at. Where you're at right now could just be this level of honesty. Wow. I am overwhelmed. Wow. Yeah. Something might need to change. This is just too much for where I'm at right now. And it's as if the body will naturally choose the easiest step forward. You know, it could be even just noticing, wow, it would feel really good just to step outside and to have some quiet just for a moment. And, you know, in that moment, it's not even about fixing the brain, fixing the thoughts. It's doing the simplest thing just to let the nervous system naturally Mm re-regulate. Yeah. So that's what I that's what I would tell the person that says, you know, that's like, well, that sounds great, but I can't. I'm like, well, what can you do? What does sound easy? If you forgot everything you knew about what the wellness world is preaching, what I'm preaching, what Kiara is preaching, what is your body asking for? And I'd say that's that's what I always want to encourage and heighten in people is that your body might be presenting such a beautiful opportunity for you. And it's right there. It's like so obvious that we almost don't want to acknowledge it.
0: Oh that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I um there I think our, our nervous systems want to be flexible and resilient and you know I will say I think in today's world and society it, I guess it is kind of making it more I don't I would love to hear your perspective on this because my thinking is man like the the EMFs and the working as a mom and barely getting enough maternity leave and like having to take care of the kids while also working. And then maybe also trying to find their hobby. Like what do they even like to do anymore? Like there's just, there's a lot, um, in today's world, it's almost like it's getting harder and harder for the nervous system to come back to its resting position.
1: Yeah. I think that's something we have to really just acknowledge and, and, and honor that things are it's not like the world is trying to throw you off center, but I would say it's, it's almost, oh, how do I want to phrase this? We can expect that overwhelm is, is normal and not something we need to even try and avoid, but really embracing it and allowing ourselves space to regulate in the ways that work for us. But not trying to exist in like a zen-like way where we just avoid all conflict avoid all emfs avoid all carcinogens and whatever it is that they're putting in the plastic water bottles these days that isn't bpa i don't even know what the new compound is called you know it's it's impossible to live a perfectly balanced life so it's almost just really honoring that doing the best you can is probably the most the most relaxing way to move through this and yeah that's you know that's that's a tricky one i mean when you ask that question what what advice would you give yourself knowing that yeah i mean we're we're human we're not getting through this without the same level of stressors they're just packaged differently
0: yeah You know, I, have been asked this question before and it seems like such a doom and gloom question when it's like, (laughs) well, this is the world we're living in. Are we just, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're not going to be here forever. Um, I definitely was at a point in my own journey, like maybe like even two, three years ago where I was like, have to avoid everything. I can't even touch that. Like, God forbid, like I, there's a little bit of tap water in, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, it was that extreme for me because I was I was in such a state of fear going back to what you said at the, the beginning of our conversation, like living with such rigidity and no room for flexibility whatsoever. Yeah. And it, yeah. it really drove me um, down this path of like, yeah, just living in that state of fear, isolating myself. And that's obviously. And I made the connection when I started reconnecting with my community and I was like, this is so healing. This is so powerful. Like the laughter. So what there is something in my food. So what i this isn't perfect. Like I feel so good at just mm-hmm. being here in their presence and not everything. Well, it is perfect, even though it has its imperfections. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know where I <laughs> kind of was going with that, but I I yeah, to my point, I was there and I don't think that um that really served me just
1: having been there before. That is actually that reminds me of just this idea of you can try it for a little bit. You can try avoiding all of the things that you think are holding your health back and even just existing in that state like you realize it doesn't quite it doesn't quite line up. It doesn't feel like the life we want to be living. So, loosening the grip a little bit, still taking, of course, still prioritizing taking care of yourself, but prioritizing the other factors that bring you that sense of inspiration and fun and joy and connection, those are equally, if not more, important than avoiding the harmful factors in life. And I think they can often outweigh thinking just the classic potluck example where you're with friends and there's music and you're singing and you're dancing. Maybe you're drinking some wine, all of these things that turn out to be so life-giving. And, oh, there's, I I think it's called the Rosetta study where they were looking at these multi-generational Italian families and they're eating like tons and tons of red meat, drinking tons of alcohol. They're staying up late. They're smoking cigarettes. And they were looking at their heart health and their indicators of heart health. And they actually looked phenomenal. And the researchers were trying to figure out what what's going on here. What's, what's allowing these people to thrive when everything we think we know about nutrition is suggesting that these people should be really sick and really overweight and really unhappy but what they found is that living in community, playing, having that sense of purpose, connection, having that sense of belonging, that outweighed their partying habits. and we see that time and time again. i think we all know that person that you know might not even be aware of of the quality of their food. they're kind of that classic go-getter in life. Maybe their favorite food is pizza. Maybe they drink beer five nights a week and they're always out and about, but they might be some of the healthiest, one of the healthiest people we know because they're so lit up by life. They're not consumed by the fear and the panic of managing their condition. You know, Granted, maybe they don't have underlying conditions. So it's like, well, of course they're out and about doing what feels easy, but it's a two-way street. And I think that's Part of the brain rewiring aspect is realizing that when we start to think in ways, kind of checking in, wait a second, how would the healthy version of me show up right now? Okay. You know, she'd have a little tap water. That's all there is. She'd maybe even take a bite of gluten because, you know, life is short and the intestine can repair. All of these things where it's a matter of trusting yourself to choose joy and to choose. I mean, really, it comes down to sustainability. We can't live in a bubble. We can't be perfect because we get there and it turns out to not feel so perfect versus, well, what feels balanced? What feels fun? What feels sustainable? And you might be surprised with with where those those answers lead you.
0: Wow, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. I mean, I've seen it with myself, like I just shared. I remember there was um, a picnic that I went on with my best friend um, a couple of years ago and I was not feeling good at all. I just didn't feel good in my body. I was bloated. I was still having a lot of bowel irregularity, all those things. And um, there was a lot emotionally that was going on too that I just, I wasn't resonating mm-hmm. with the life that I was living. But yeah. in this particular moment, we went outside on this beautiful hill. I used to live in Richmond, Virginia, and um, which is the capital of Virginia. And the top of Libby Hill at sunset, eating food that was not in Kiara's regular routine. And man, it was the best day of 2018. Yeah. And um, I, I had zero stomach issues afterwards.
1: That's it. And I think we can all start to collect more of those data points thinking about, wait a second, It was more about the feeling, it was more about the connection, it was more about the company, which has been a big theme and focus for this month specifically. But going into winter, I think it's something we can all start to really reflect on. If, you know, knowing that our time here is limited, thinking about the memories you want to have in your memory bank, the feelings you wanna cultivate more of, moving to the side of perfection and thinking about really what makes a life feel beautiful. And like you said, oftentimes it feels so good in the moment that, wow, we forget we even have a stomach for a second. We forget we're even bloated for a second. And like you said before, it's like, that's where the healing happens physiologically because we're in that rest, digest, repair, parasympathetic balanced state. And then we get these insights, these downloads where the next step is so obvious. It's not what we think we should do. It's not what someone else is telling us we should do. It's, it's like, that's it. Of course, that's it. Because we've calmed down the panic to just see so clearly. Yeah. It just
0: goes to show like how all of that can override the fear.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think when we allow it, that's when, yeah, that's when we start to just forget the things that we may be identified with. That was a big thing for me, too, in my healing, like just identifying so much with um, my chronic symptoms and like just making that who Kiara was at that time. And now, granted, I think that, you know, as I reflect on this, I think that did serve me for a period of time because I wouldn't be where I am today if that didn't happen. But there was a point in my journey where I was like, huh. Like, I wonder if this identity that I've made for myself is just keeping me back from actually experiencing the relief that my body is designed to experience mm-hmm. the innate wisdom that it has. Um, so that was like a grief process too, just like letting go. And that's what I, I view this whole thing, this, this life thing, just like full of versions of um, myself like dying and rebirthing and all these things. I'm like, I keep going through these things and I just like, it's up-leveling and up-leveling and up-leveling. So I want like everyone who's listening to just, just because this is where we're at in our journey and we're probably still at very different stages of each other's journeys. But like, I was once there too, like where someone might be listening is. So it's definitely not an overnight thing. And I, I think more importantly, it's not comparing your, your journey to anyone else's journey, but it's it's embracing what is as, as hard and as corny, as uh, difficult as that may sound. It's loving and accepting everything that is. I think the sooner we accept and can lean into what is showing up presently for us, the closer we will get to I mean, you're already on your path, but like Mm -hmm. the closer we get to where, I I don't know how to even end this, like where we want to be because I don't know. That's tricky.
1: You say it so beautifully, but yeah, or I shouldn't say, but, and it reminds (laughs) me of this idea of like, it is what it is. And the sooner we can really just be with what is and not fight it and just get interested about it, curious about it. Like, wow even say you're in a a phase right now that feels really hard, really heavy. Maybe your body is really, really working hard, trying to figure things out and just realizing that, yeah, this is where you're at. And that's, it's valuable because thinking about it was, I think it was an Alan Watts talk I was listening to, but he's like, we don't get mad at the valleys for being low or the mountains for being high. It kind of is what it is. And it's, In order for the mountains to be high, we need those low valleys around it. So realizing that where you're at on your journey is exactly where you you need to be at because it's just part of that up and down and up and down. And like you mentioned, this possibility for shedding these older versions of ourselves to then grow and then oh another another obstacle comes and we embrace it and then we're challenged and everything we think we know is shattered and then we grow it's there's so many beautiful metaphors that this brings up even just thinking about the butterfly you know just in the chrysalis in the cocoon and then bursting out into something completely new that happens in a time of darkness and isolation and Not much connection with the outer world. And then all of a sudden they're floating on the wind and the sunlight. And I think with health journeys and whether you're in the middle of a health journey, just beginning one, or maybe having a relapse or a flare up, it's all part of it. There's not a good or bad way to be. It's just really learning to just take that next step and trusting that this next step is where you need to be because that's where you are.
0: Yeah. Yes, I love that. It's exactly where you need to be and learning how to trust, cultivating that self-trust um can start off as simple as like promising yourself to make your bed every day. You know, building that self-trust um doesn't have to look like this big ex- extravagant thing, especially I think even in this whole wellness space, I don't know if you feel this way too, but I feel like even my job as a practitioner people come to me because they trust me and maybe they don't trust themselves so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I often get questions like, well, what would you do? Or what are you eating right now? And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. What if I told you I had tequila and pizza for breakfast? What matters is what feels good to you. And that is something I think when someone is pretty inflamed or dysregulated, they've maybe, disconnected from themselves and maybe that did keep them safe at some point just thinking of dissociative tendencies but yeah part of coming back into the body is yeah really finding ways to trust your own experience and to be kind to yourself say say you promise yourself to make your bed and then you don't and then you're really shaming yourself oh my gosh i always do this it's that moment where you can choose to relate to yourself differently and say you know well even though I set the intention to make my bed and I didn't do it, I still love myself. I'm I'm trying. I'm in the process of building in what works for me because you might even discover in that process that actually not making your bed feels much more expansive, feels much more fun. Yeah. And that's great because there you are mastering the art of being you, which is really what matters. It's like we can be inspired by other people, we can learn to rely on other people we can learn to trust other people but none of that really matters if we're not cultivating that with ourselves so that's a big piece of this and i absolutely love that you brought that up because it's if we can trust ourselves then maybe we'll even you know choose to eat some pufas just to test it out see what happens and you know and 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 learn from our own experience and and then you know integrate that and see what see what we want to do next
0: I love that. And you know, to your point, what you just said, you're kind of like interrupting the pattern um, instead of beating yourself up about something. Maybe it's not like following a nutrition plan and maybe you quote, unquote, steered off course and oops, accidentally had something bad. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, but you're interrupting the pattern and you're choosing to change those thoughts, change the loop of what would almost feel like a reflex like a, a reaction to mm-hmm. what is normal for you. So I want to kind of move on to talk about how trauma comes into play when we're thinking about the brain, the, ver- the the vagus nerve. Um I just love talking to you about trauma. Like this is I know that's so weird to say, but um yeah, this is something I I that is really close to home and I I love just opening up the floor and talking about it
1: yeah i i think you know a lot of us are realizing that it's more common than i think we've given anyone credit for and in a way it's becoming trendy but stepping to the side of that just honoring that if your nervous system has experienced something that felt unsafe in the past and it didn't quite get the chance to resolve it that might be playing out in loops and obscure patterns that even as adults, we might not even be aware of that say we, I don't know. It could, it could be something as simple as assuming the worst or assuming that people are thinking certain things about us or creating stories about how things will play out if we do something a certain way, or if we don't do something a certain way. All of these loops, they oftentimes begin early in life based off of the care we received or did not receive. And then it turns out, turns into ways that we maybe treat ourselves with a little bit of harshness or criticism that unknowingly stems from something way, way in the past. So with those trauma loops or what some people call limbic loops, it's basically the brain is trying to keep you safe. It's trying to avoid recreating a dangerous situation, but it kind of backfires because it it just by being stuck in these loops, we're revving up the body with stress hormones and you know in, inflammatory cycles, even when the threat isn't real, even when we are really, we are safe, but the brain is creating stories to suggest otherwise, creating stories that oh, we might need to fight, we might need to run okay, this might be so intense that I'm about to just collapse. I'm just so exhausted. So with retraining those thought loops, it's a gentle process because we never want to re-traumatize someone or even just the idea of, oh my gosh, every thought I think is so panic and fear-based. I don't even know where to start. I'm broken. I'm sick. That in and of itself can be another trauma loop. So that's A piece of this is really yeah, going at the pace of the nervous system and finding the tools that work for you. But thinking of how deep and ingrained some of these cycles can be, sometimes it's not even just thinking better and responding better. It's literally retraining and that can take time. But that's why I I am so amazed by the power of tapping, because not only can you do it yourself, but the studies show that by tapping on the specific points, it can start to deactivate the fear centers of the brain like the amygdala so that we can then think more rationally about how we would like to respond because you and I both know when we are in a fearful panicked overwhelmed state we are not thinking as clearly as we could i'd say most people when they're feeling threatened when they're feeling when they're feeling like it's just too much when they're feeling stressed they're not thinking clearly, and we see that time and time again when just you know you maybe you're revved up and you're in an argument and you say things, and later you completely regret saying what you said and just completely did not feel in alignment with who you are that part of that is just when we're under stress, our brains are not acting in the ways we want them to when we 're coming from a place of groundedness and more of that regulated state those primal regions deep closer to the brainstem, those take over. The prefrontal cortex basically shuts down and it's all about what is the way I can move through this moment to survive. And that's not the case anymore. You know, we, as modern day humans, we get to respond differently. And part of that is slowing down, learning the tools to regulate, and then thinking about, okay, well, I know how I would normally react to this, but how do I want to respond this time around? And it's not even about doing that perfectly. It's about learning that okay, yep, we're gonna slip. That's just the nature of things. But setting the intention. Oh, and each time it gets easier. The more you practice responding the way you want to, the easier it becomes. It becomes it starts to become second nature.
0: I can attest to that. It, yeah, yeah. At first it was like, well, oh, gosh darn it. How do I do this? Like I just feel like they triggered me and of course i have to react i have to protect myself i have to stand up yeah. for myself I have to defend myself and then they're just like you you show up and it's it's a practice it's a daily practice and then you just pause for a second one day and you're just like wow like i really handled that with ease and i wasn't even thinking about it
1: that moment you describe almost being amazed, who is this? Wow. It, it feels truly like a new version of you. And that's, that's how it feels. And thinking of just the neural pathways in the brain, you yeah. are creating new connections because honoring that, yes, trauma has shaped you, your experience has shaped you to react, yeah. maybe habitually react, and then slowly starting to learn just m- more loving ways to respond, and yeah, I think you model this very beautifully, and it's one of those things too, just even just thinking about our nourishment. Our thoughts can nourish us. Our thoughts can send signals of repair, and then it's just this synergy with you know, the adrenal cocktail and the rapede carrot salad. It all just builds, and it's just we're continually in a process of rebuilding ourselves, honoring what's not working. Knowing that we're doing our best and and really seeing, well, how can I tend to this? How can I start to shift this, reframe this? Even just, you know, changing the smallest things sometimes can lead to such beautiful ripple effects.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree. I um, I think one of the things that's helped me a lot as well in my journey so far is tending to myself as if I were a child. Um yeah. I, when I work with moms, I always, like, say, like, how would you speak to your child? And it's always, like, do you want a snack? Do you need to take a nap? Or are you angry? Do you need to show your anger? Do you need to, you know, in whatever way, like, that is. But I feel like that's really helped a lot because that allows me to connect and just, like, really tune into Kiara.
1: And her- you know what's funny? Kiara, as you were describing that, not only can I relate, and I think for some of us too, that's where the dysfunction begins. Say our parents asked us, what's wrong? And all of a sudden our brain gets primed to think, what is wrong? And we think, oh, well, maybe we only get attention when something is wrong. We only get attention from our mom when we're having a hard time. And that creates cycles later in life where we think, wow, we're, you know, we only, we only received love when we were sick. So for some of us realizing, whoa, all these symptoms I'm experiencing, not to say we created them, but wow, of course that makes sense. Because back when I was younger, that's when I got attention versus this idea of tending to ourselves and checking in with our inner child. Sometimes that means, and this goes back to the trauma component, but sometimes that means offering ourselves the care and support that we did not receive from our care- caregivers. And no shame. Our parents did the best they could. Oftentimes our parents have significant wounds. And I think even just thinking about our the generation above us, it's almost like the self-help is not as, it's not as cool. It's not as trendy. It's like, okay, you just you, you put your head down and you work and life's not fair, life's not easy and that's okay. That's just how things are, you know? And we don't have to ascribe to those rules. We're allowed to say, well, yeah, that's how you did things. Maybe that's what was generation, generationally appropriate for you. We're going to do things differently because if we check in with our inner child and we're like, hey, sweetie, what do you need? And we get this answer of like, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared. And then we can step in again as that loving support saying, "Okay, well, we don't need to know. We can we can this we can be in this together. I'm not going to desert you. We're not even going to try to fix this right now. I'm just going to scoop you up and love you. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be scared. You're allowed to be confused. You're allowed to have a tantrum. All right. All feelings welcome here. And there's something about that that starts to change how we then show up in our adult lives.
0: I have chills. I you have t- chills? <laughs> yes, I have goose pimples. I'm just like, yes, yes to everything you just said. And I, I I, just, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like this is where all of it kind of clicks for everyone. And you mentioned something about, the generational trauma. And I remember reading one of your posts about generational trauma
1: going back 50 generations. Is that right? Yes. It's I I it started off with I think it was yeah, rat and mice models were showing like, oh, okay, about three generations. And you know, they there were studies looking at Holocaust survivors and some of the health implications of their offspring and then the offspring of their offspring and and tracing some of the more stress related diseases. But yeah, 50 plus generations, and it seems to be stored in the mitochondria. So evidence of literal cellular changes, and it's coming again from a really good place. It's as if the parents, their DNA is changing to say, Hey, Life might be really hard. We're gonna we're gonna prepare you here, just so you know. You know, doom is coming, but just think about the way that changes not only how we see the world, but how our bodies function in this world. And it's like dysfunction be, builds more dysfunction, which builds more dysfunction. But I think the ho- hopeful takeaway from this is that just as trauma as can can be passed down, so can healing and supportive and liberating experiences and it seems to actually reverse the trauma much more quickly. Sometimes within a generation or two, we don't see those cellular changes. So shout out to all the mamas that are loving and cuddling their babies and allowing their children to, you know, really have safe and supportive experiences. And that, that goes a long way. I see that really creating such beautiful ripples. You know, it's the more healed people there are, the more, Regulated nervous systems that other nervous systems can then learn to regulate with, and and then I just see things start starting to just normalize themselves. Not to say there's a normal, but yeah, we know what it feels like. And even in those glimpses, just feel safe for even just a moment. And just imagine if that were if that were the baseline for most people. I think people would be kinder. We'd assume the best of others. We wouldn't be judging. There wouldn't be this scarcity of resources or us versus them. There'd be so much more coexistence. And I mean, I think we're all starting to wake up to the fact that we do need more understanding, even for people we might disagree with. But being able to diplomatically and very lovingly want to get to know the other side of a story or the other you know, the, a differing opinion. If we're in a regulated state, we'll, we'll be open to new ideas. We'll want to understand where they're coming from versus just assuming that they're wrong. Wow.
0: I love that. I um, I had a thought and then I just lost it. Don't you love when that happens?
1: I do actually. It's like, oh, it's just it'll come back when it's needed.
0: Yeah. Well, I just, I, I've loved this conversation. So, oh wait, no, I, I see, it came back. It came back.
1: <laughs> we
0: go. um, I got, I had a, co- a conversation yesterday with someone. They were asking me about deep seated generational trauma and where to even begin healing it. And I just, I want to get your perspective on this. And it sounds like to me, like just what, based off of what you just said, um, the way we really go about changing it and like changing ourselves or mitochondria um, is to incorporate new experiences, to override the experiences of past generations.
1: Yes. And really keeping it as simple as possible, because I think people get so overwhelmed when they think about, I have all this trauma. I don't even know what to do. I know it's impacting my health. I know it's impacting you know, everything from my sleep to my digestion, because really it does a traumatized individual, human, animal, it changes the way our organs function. It changes the way we even hold our bodies. I know no one can see, but I was just scrunching my shoulders up into that kind of panic, startled stance. But I genuinely believe that it starts with how we treat ourselves. If we can offer ourselves compassion, even in the moments where we are in a trauma loop or in a, like a feeling triggered, if we can, like you said, reparent ourselves in those moments and say, you know, even offer ourselves compassion, and understanding and speaking our, to ourselves very sweetly and relating to ourselves with so much, as much love as we can possibly muster, that's where I see these patterns starting to soften because it's not about pretending or bright siding or even just, you know, manifesting or acting as if it's being honest with where you're at, what you're feeling and creating safety in that authentic state.
0: Yeah, I agree. That inner child work is so, so powerful. I've had I've enjoyed the process of reparenting truthfully. Mm-hmm. I love what you call yourself sweetie. It's just like it's it's so sweet. I I tell my clients that I call myself like in my letters to myself like, "Hey baby." Like I love baby. you. I love you, sweet girl, like and just I even have a picture of myself as a baby um on my desk. So I I, I see her every day and she just serves as like a gentle reminder like she's still there and um oh man that's it's it's so profound like when we really integrate that work and seeing ourselves as that that baby that that Mm -hmm. child who just wants to be
1: loved yeah and like you said that that sometimes can be one of the most profound pieces of this because when we start to speak to ourselves like we would a child oftentimes it's like it's so obvious you know it's if we wouldn't be yelling and criticizing this like toddler version of us yeah we we don't need to be doing doing anything different for ourselves just because we're living in older bodies we still require the same kind of tenderness and loving support and thinking about even just the way learning happens it's so much easier to learn something when you feel safe and inspired and when you know when you're being cheered on versus being criticized and pulled apart so it's our It's our responsibility to do that for ourselves, and I think whether that's the way we're approaching food, whether that's the way we're approaching our mineral balancing, or anything that we do, if we can bring that gentle, gentle, loving voice in, it's like you're ninety nine percent of the way there.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, I love it. I um, one of my mentors said to me a couple weeks ago, "There is no such thing as an adult just." Grown up children, mm-hmm. and I love that. Um, yeah, it's, wise
1: uh, woman or man or non gender specified, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> oh man, Teresa, I, I, like I said, I, I love this conversation so much. So, so many things you said and hit home for me again. Likewise, again, like, likewise, it's beautiful. Um, so thank you for coming on the show once again, just a new yeah. version of it. Um, where can we keep up with you? You have a new like tapping membership now, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just launched a tapping app. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's, it's just tappingwithtea.com. Um, and I add a new video every week just based off of what people are requesting. And it's been so fun to create a community around this because again, people, you know, maybe you've tried all the things and you're, kind of tired, focusing so much on the healing aspect and realizing, well, what if we just lighten the experience? What if healing can happen with this kindness we've been speaking of and tapping honestly has been the tool that's been most helpful for me. Um, And it's just, yeah, just sharing that with people and realizing maybe this is the most important point that I know we danced around, but we all have the ability to heal ourselves and, again that's why i love tapping because you can learn to do this on your own sometimes at first it might feel a little bit awkward but you get to the point where it's just you can kind of talk yourself and self coach yourself in the moment where you're where you're feeling scared in the moment where you're not feeling very good in the moment where you're wide awake at night and just you know spiraling into thoughts so yeah i'd say that's where most of my effort is going to these days but also Instagram. So living roots wellness is where to find me. That's
0: beautiful. I am so excited to share that with the audience. I cannot wait to hear what everyone has to say about this episode. So thank you again, friend. I love you. And until next time. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If the episode resonated with you, feel free to share it with a friend and give the podcast a five-star review and rating as this allows us to grow and continue having incredible guests on the show. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time.